Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode four of the KDH podcast. Thank you very much. If you've made it this far on the podcast and you're still listening in, I've been I'm receiving some amazing feedback so far, so thank you very much. If you do listen to the podcast, remember to screenshot it and tag it in your Instagram, your Facebook stories. It's always good when you can see that, that folk are listening to it. I do see on the analytics though that people are, so that's brilliant. So today's podcast, I've got a very special guest on. I've got my friend Andrew Banks, fellow coach and mate who works in the same gym as me, and he's got a boot camp, uh, a good, a really successful boot camp as well. Um, what we're going to be chatting today is about fitness exposed. We're going to be talking about, about Andrew's story, talking about, about fitness, his sort of mistakes, his learning points, and we're also going to be talking about the fitness industry and our thoughts on it as well. <clears throat> Ladies and gents, I'd likely like to introduce you to Andrew Banks. Say hello, mate. How's it going, folks? Hi, man. I'm, I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad. Um, so um, we'll start off, mate. Everyone wants to hear your story. So tell us a bit about your story and what you what got you into coaching. Sure. So <laughs> settle down because it's going to be a long one. No, but um, yeah, I got into coaching um, from a personal perspective, you know, a little bit of background. So um, when I was younger, I actually really sucked at sport. And when I tell folk this, like, they're usually like, what the hell? Like, you're a personal trainer. Like, you know, been in the fitness industry for 12 years um, and you sucked at sport. And I'm like, yep. Um, in PE, I was always picked last. Um, and I just, it was mainly because I had really bad self-confidence. Um, and I didn't have much belief in myself when it came to sport. Um, and I don't say that to get a sob story. I say that to actually to show people and I think that's what got me obsessed with improving was because I was, I was so crap at it. Um, when I was at school at PE, like I was a person that would like stay behind after class and like practice as much as possible. So the one thing I always had was just like hard work ethic. Like I always worked harder than everyone else, even though I still sucked. Yeah, which <laughs> really painful. Um, but that sort of got me into a mindset of like when I started seeing that I could get better through just hard work and practice, it got me into that mindset of like always doing more work than everyone else when it came to um, sport or, or physical activity. Um, and I just kind of eventually outworked a lot of the, the competition. Never, you know, I never got like super successful, but I did get better at sports as I got older just from, from hard work. Um, and I suppose that drive for self-improvement um, led me to the gym, yeah, because the gym is often a place when you, when you are into sports, you know, you read the magazines, you listen to the athletes and stuff, and they all talk about, like, you know, in the gym, I did this, and this helped, and especially because I played, I did Taekwondo, you know, martial arts, I played rugby, so it was all sports that were um, very much driven by, like, strength and power, so started going to the gym at 16 with my dad, I got into that, started to notice I was getting stronger, started to notice results, became addicted to it, um, and then realised that, you know, I went off to, I went off to university, actually to do forensic science, I wanted to go into the police, um, and unfortunately, or, or, you know, it depends how you think of it, unfortunately my mum passed away when I was 18, um, and it was a game changer for me, because I was living my life for my dad, I wanted to go to, to make him proud, um, because he had been the RAF, his father had been the RAF, like Christian's father was also in the RAF. Um, 
And he wanted me to get like a, you know, go and get a good job, go and get a career. So I went off to do forensic science to go into the police. Um, and then when my mom passed away, I was just like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do something I'm passionate about. Life is really short. I want to do something I'm going to enjoy. So the only thing that I did for about a year was go to the gym. Um, and then I ended up just going to the gym for a year. And after that year, the university approached me and said, what, I mean, what are you doing? Like, do you want to continue doing forensic science? Do you want to restart your year? And I was like, I realized that a sports coaching program. And I was like, do you know what? I think I'm interested in like maybe becoming a sports coach. And then, you know, <laughs> like um, from that point, what was that? 2009, so 11 years on. And now i a personal trainer, um, fit pro, whatever that means, you know, um, <laughs> and run a boot camp. Yeah. Um, so like that, see that where you we touch based on there, mate. That's like so valid. Like I think from a young age, everyone's under this sort of pretense that you need to live your life a certain way, and like it's it's something that like I, I was speaking to my family about it recently, and I feel like when I was at school, it was genuinely just like go and get an apprenticeship or go to university. There was never like, any yeah. options for the military. There was no options at all for entrepreneurship. There was nothing about having your own business. And I think it's like, like we're almost like kind of told to go a certain route. And I think that's why a lot of people ultimately end up quite unhappy. But although like out of that terrible thing, that situation, losing your mum at a young age, like you've obviously... You've that's, and that's why I say like it, it was really unfortunate, but like on another hand, it's been fortunate and it sounds really twisted. But, I know, like, no, I know. It's, it just it's, gave, me, it gave me like absolute tunnel vision. Like it literally made me go oh, fuck, like, life is really short. Like, I might actually have, like, 50-odd years. I want to get what I want out of life as quickly as possible and work this shit out as opposed to, like, you know, doing things. I think a lot of people do things for their parents and for their peers. So, like, you know, your parents have standards that they sort of pass on to you. So, for me, it was, you know, quite often my dad would pass these standards on that you need to get a good job. You need to think about retirement. You need to think about a pension. So, it's a good idea to get a military career like me and like your grandfather. So, you know, he would be very pushy, like, let's go into the RAF, try and become a pilot, try and become an officer. These are, like, high-up jobs in the RAF. You know, they've got, like, a certain level of reputation. They've got a good salary, so on and so forth. But then, like, I just realised, I was, like, you know, 18... At uni, Aye. doing this course, mum passed away, and then it was just like this realization: what the fuck am I doing? Like, I don't, I don't even want to do this stuff. Like, I, it's I just know, like a realization just... hit me like so hard, and I was like, I don't actually want to do this. Like, I, know. I feel like like the now, only like, thing I like doing was pump iron. Like that Aye. was it. Since, like, since I left the military, like, I feel like pure. Like, and, of, since I left the military, it, I feel like one of those folk that's like, don't give in to the man. You can't do it. You ha- you don't you don't have to do the status quo. And like, I feel like it is like, like I wouldn't take back like my, my service in the military and that, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like you are kind of forced to go a certain way. Sorry, I interrupted you there, mate. What were you saying? No, I just said like going to the gym became my therapy, big yeah. time. Big oh, time. Like, good, mate. No, it became like a, a place to, I think, our brains, when I live in this world, we really all live at a fast pace. Um, and we have these like huge amounts of pressures that are put onto us by society, by our parents, by our peers, and people's brains are sometimes just frazzled. And the gym for me is like a break from all that shit. Like it's just, it sounds really cheesy, but it's just me. No, totally. Man. And the exercise that I'm doing, 
and just like like the physicalness of just like get escapism, like just being escaped from everything yeah. and getting into my training. And that's like an hour, you know, three, four, whatever times a week that I have for myself. And I think it's an amazing thing to just have some time for yourself. Yeah, especially as your responsibilities start to increase, you know, people don't take a lot And he's and he's just got a a, a newborn uh, we how old is she now, mate? Uh, nine months. Nine months old. So uh, yeah, so how how we've kind of jumped in there, but how have things changed in your sort of fitness journey as a coach and your own training since being a dad? I think um, the number one thing is time becomes even more of a commodity. That yeah. that's that like your your time is just so much more important to you, and you really have to cut down on, on what I would call the fluff, you know. And yeah. um, so previously, before EB arrived. I had lots of time so I could I could train like seven to ten hours a week and throw <laughs> lots of hours and lots of effort into my training. Whereas now I have to be like laser light focus um, and really think about what's important, what goals that I want to achieve, um, and what's the best way to invest the time that I do have to move the needle forward. Mm. So, you know, the 10 hours training, like it's not it's not to say that like more hours training, especially when you get to like an advanced level is always going to give you more rewards, but the rewards are always diminishing. So like, you know, if you train four or five hours a week, you're going to probably make like 80% of the progress you can make. When you start doing 10 hours, you probably get like an extra, not 15%. You do another 10 hours, you've been 30 hours, you probably get like another 5%, which really matters when you are performing at the absolute yeah, top. Yeah, high level. But when you're a dad that runs a boot camp and does some PT, like it becomes hard to get to that place because like, even though I, you know, I'm those things. I'm super competitive. Like I want to be the best, yeah, you know, and I want to be and up there with them. And I think so, like, a big part, um, of, like you just have to get that into your head. Yeah, like, a big a big part of training is like what I'm always trying to drum into people is like you need to get the most bang for your buck out of what you're whatever you're doing. And what Andy was referring to there is the fluff is how a lot of people train, myself included in the past. I still do it sometimes now, and Andrew as well. The exact same. We always do it. However. This is the benefits of when people like, I, I hate when personal trainers sit and go, oh, time's the number one excuse. I've wrote posts about it in the past. It's not that people, people lack time, as Andy was saying, it becomes a bit of a commodity. It becomes something that people struggle with. What people lack is the understanding of how to manage it. It's not that they, they lack the, like, like, it's all well saying stuff like, oh, someone, let's say, for example, oh, you're not willing to exercise, but you're willing to go and sit in the queue at McDonald's right now because you're in lockdown. It's like, well, you can't really compare those two things together because like it might be that the person's just lacking direction from in the past, but at the same time, like people just do have their priorities wrong when it does come to like improvement. And it's just, it is about sort of how to manage things, isn't it? hundred percent. And I think like, you know, and this is something I'm trying to teach a lot of my clients now, because a lot of my clients are people who are parents who are over 30, who have got, you know, work to juggle kids to juggle a lot of different things i say people like three hours is all you need to optimize your body really a week yeah, yeah like it, but don't expect in three hours a week to be a killer in four weeks like yeah. it's going to take you time you know like the, the the interest on the investment that you make of those three hours compounds over time and that's why i try and drill into people like i think it's a huge problem in the fitness industry is that like fitness professionals tend to have like this sort of 
die-hard attitude. Like, yeah, let's push people, let's crush them, let's destroy them, let's get them trained four or five times a week, let's get them eating super clean. And then people are just like, they come yeah, into yeah. it for like two or three weeks and then they just get put off by it. They're like, oh my God, this is so intense. Like, I literally do not have the time and energy to invest at that level. And that's like understandable. But like just three hours a week, like, you know, do two hours, two and a half hours of good quality exercise and spend half an hour looking at your nutrition a week. And in two or three years time, compared to most of your peers, you're going to be in a fantastic place, like an yeah. insane place yeah. just from putting that investment in. But people just can't see that yeah. long-term game. What is he focused on like, I want to look good for Ibiza or I want to like fit into my little black dress. Yeah. And that, um, like, I was like, I just literally wrote a post into my group there and it, it started off a bit negatively. It was like, you're always going to trip up. You're always going to fall over. However, your overall outcome is down to your consistency and it's learning to pick yourself back up. And we're doing a 10 day refocus in the group. And it's not like all your, your, all your problems are going to be solved after 10 days, but basically the 10 days is to highlight what drives you to success. It's to highlight, to understand when you fall down that you need to pick yourself up. Like, like following a meal plan PDF or tracking your calories for two weeks, isn't going to sort you out the rest of your life. However, if you consistently do these things, not for following a meal plan, but if you consistently try and implement small ha habits, as Andy said, three hours a week, it will lead you into the path of where you want to be. And people are just so focused on the things that, like if you put it into the comparison of, like you look at a Michelin star chef, you would just know that that person has been cooking for an entire career crafting a trade. You look at a master um, tradesman, you know that they've been doing that their entire time. You look at someone that's maybe like a, an Olympian, you know they've been doing that from a young age. But why is it when it comes to nutrition and mindset, people expect instant results? Like I just, like it's, we look at things when it comes to this, but that's partly to do with the fitness industry, but we'll come on to that when we're digging yeah. into it a wee bit more as well. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the fitness industry's fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, moving on there, mate, what is your um, three biggest mistakes and lessons learned from your own training? Um. Okay, so... I've got I've got these written down just so I can remember because there's loads of mistakes I've made, but I thought I'd think of like the, the most important ones. So, number one would be filtering out. And pardon my French, I just swear quite a lot. Um, filtering out the bullshit, right? Number one is the first lesson I learned. So, best way to explain this, right? Before I got into fitness, I was an absolute nerd. In fact, I still am a nerd, right? Um, I just love reading and gathering information about stuff, right? And when I got into, so I used to be into playing computer games, but the thing I enjoyed most about computer games was like the knowledge of the computer game. I don't know why, right? But like I was the kind of person that played Pokemon and could name every single Pokemon in order and knew every single type of every single, like it's, it's just the way I am, right? I just love to know everything about it. So when I got into the fitness, it was no different. Like I just, I get so obsessed. Like it's ridiculous. Like I just spent, Hours and hours and hours reading. Like I had every copy of Men's Health magazine, right? <laughs> to the start. Um, also, like T Nation, right? I remember like T Nation's obviously, it's like this website that's, you know, <laughs> touted towards males clearly because it's testosterone nation and it just has loads and loads of different fitness professionals posting articles. Now, there's something like seven articles a week. I, at one point, I've stopped now 
I'd read every single article from the very start, which is like 2008 all the way to 2017. Like, can you imagine that? Like, it's insane. Like, I would read an article every single day. Um, YouTube, just like constant uh, consuming information. And the biggest lesson I've learned is is filtering. One of the things is filtering the bullshit, right? Is that like, there's just, whenever you, it's like shiny object syndrome. Whenever someone is, is trying to tell you the secret, like waving the magic secret to you, you should be like, so cynical, right? Because when it comes to anything in life, the secret is consistent hard work. Like that, that is that, yeah. that is the secret. Um, you're not like one tiny detail away from making 90% of the results you're missing. You're probably like, I don't know, like time, it's more to do with time invested than it is to do with like the special thing that you need to find. So just invest more time and, and working on it and you'll, you'll eventually get there, right? Because I know people who don't have that same obsession with like reading the material as me, who have got similar results to me because they just work really hard. Yeah, like hard work will, will trump like smart work, especially in the beginning. Um, and it only, I think smart work starts to work once you get to advanced levels. Yeah, if you're like an Olympic athlete, you're going to have to look at how much protein you're eating per meal and how, you, how much protein you have per day and, you know, how much vitamin C you have. But when you're just like Joe Average and you want to try and like develop some level of physique, just going to the gym and working out consistently. That's that's where you should start. Yeah. So don't get like drawn in. That's what I'd say. And it's really difficult to instill in people that are new to the industry, but don't get drawn in by the bullshit. Don't think you're one tiny little magic secret away from getting the results that you think you want to get. Yeah. I think that I heard a really good term yesterday and it was, uh, they kept saying, it's like splitting hairs. Like, see like what people focus on. It's like the things that, yeah, folk are like, what about my meal time and what about my protein intake? I'm like, look at your calories first. Like, look, yeah. like, look at that. And it's like folk are trying to learn to sprint before they can even walk. And uh, now you're absolutely spot on. I just, just kind of wish that um, I, in, in many ways, and in, in many ways, I actually wish that when I first entered the industry, I had actually spent a bit of money on a really good coach. Mate, that's, what I, tell, because, mate, that's what I tell everyone. Like, when, when I... When I I think as a, as a guy, our ego gets in the way so, so much. Like, I just didn't want to be told. I wanted to go and work it out myself and work it out how to do it because I'd be like, I can work this out better myself. And now as a coach, I realise, like, that's not true, right? There are people who have invested more time than you, smarter than you, who you can learn from, and they can make your journey so much shorter. Like, if I just went to, like, a really good coach and said, here's some money, like, I would love to know how to you know, improve my physique and this is what I want to do, they would say, focus on these things and go and do that, Andy. Whereas, like, I spent so much time just, like, chopping and changing, trying. To... And do you know what? As a coach, that was a magnificent learning experience and I would not give it back. In some ways, when I say I would like to have a coach. Yeah. But as an individual, like, as an individual for my results, I would have been further on if I'd had a coach. But yeah. as a coach, that was great for me because it allowed me to learn the game really, really well. Um... But, yeah, it's just you get shiny. Like, it would be like, here's an example, right? Every guy wants to have bigger arms. I don't care. Like, even if you've got, like, big arms, you still want bigger arms. It's just the, 
masculine. <laughs> thing. We watch action films. You know, they zoom in on the gun and it's just like, look at the size of that guy's arms. Man. <laughs> every, every action shot, right? And you can see it like the actors all pumping their arms up behind the set before they go on. So, anyway, every guy wants big arms. But the thing is, like, you literally spend ages like trying to work out the special exercise that's going to unleash the arm growth. And it's like, no, you, you just need to get stronger, eat a little bit more, and take your time, and they will grow. And I, know, <laughs> and if I just I had know. somebody say that to me. They just said, just focus on your chin-ups and your, your pressing, and it will grow, and go on with that. It might know. help as opposed to, like, try to find, like, a spider curl from, like, some mad position. Like, ah, oh, this is the one. This is the one that's going to unleash that mad growth. I know, I know. Um, So, yeah, basically, lesson one, filtering out the bullshit. Yeah. Number two is, I think, marrying, and I go on, I talk about this a lot, like, marrying your personality to your training style. Yeah, so, I think... And this is a lesson I've learned actually as a coach. So because of the person that I am and how I got into the industry, I, you know, I really like strength training, power training. And I read all the scientific literature of what revolved around that. It made me blind to other types of training, cardiovascular training, or, you know, I looked down at, I used to look down at people who had done classes. Why would you do a class? What a pointless waste of time. You know, <laughs> just such a purist in terms of like getting into strength training. Um, and doing progressive programs and stuff. So every single client that came through my door when I first started as a coach, I was like, oh, hey, Sally. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to lose a stone. And I'm like, cool. So we're going to do squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, because, <laughs> because like gaining muscle and getting stronger is a proven way to help promote fat loss. Because if we gain muscle, we burn more fat. And strength training, the stronger you get, the more calories you burn per session. It all makes sense from a scientific perspective. But what I didn't take into account Maybe Sally doesn't want to fucking do bench press, right? <laughs> like, like, I just never asked the question. I was just like, yeah, cool. Like, come in here. Let's get you doing some face pulls and some bench press. So every client was trained in a similar way that I trained myself because it was all to do with optimizing results. And what I found is that it filtered out my clients because it meant that all the clients that kind of stuck with me, I still have these clients today, um, that liked that style of training were very passionate um, and very engaged with the training and got amazing results. But it also meant that I had a huge churn rate because people came in, spent like four or five weeks with me, and then went, I don't want to do any more deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> right? They never told me this because they're nice people, but they would probably just fade off into the, the sunset somewhere. Um, so what I've learned now is that you know you have to look at an individual and like, really delve deep into their personality and find out what's going to fit for them. Like, it, like the mode of training is really not that important. It's more the consistency of which you train. Like, how, like I know loads of people that train like crap, in my opinion, right? But they have great results. Like, you know, you know them yourself. Like, you go to the gym and there's like four-year-old people, fifty-year-old people who have been training all their life. They're in relatively good shape. But you look at the training as a as a coach and you go, God, their training looks mince. But the thing is. They get results because they're consistent and they enjoy the process. So um, finding out what people enjoy, right? For me, I personally, like I'd like to go to a class once or once or twice maybe, like just to be involved in the community and get involved in the energy. But it wouldn't be my primary way to train, right? It just doesn't fit my personality. My wife, Leanne, 
loves a class, right? I take her to the gym and do all the strength stuff, and she's like, oh, I hate this. When are we going home? Now, she still has those thoughts when she's in a class, but what she enjoys about it is the, the social interaction, the community, having a friend there, having a big gossip at the class and all these kind of things, right? That becomes more of, it becomes more of a social setting and exercise is an added thing. So I think, you know, you've got to find what works for you, like what exercise style works yeah. for you. Um, and that just takes tinkering. Um, and don't, don't yet again buy into like, like filter out the bullshit for you. So don't buy into like, you need to do a certain type of exercise to get the results you want. Like how many people think, oh, I need to lose weight. So I'm going to do endless amounts of cardio because I heard my mate, my, my, my mate at work told me that the best way to burn fat is to get out, go and run. <laughs> how many folk think that um, and lastly and I won't go into this one too much but you know nutrition for great results is super simple to get great results nutrition is super simple nutrition to optimise performance is really complex that's it you know like if you want to get great results and you're just a normal person and in fact if you're me or Christian like even we're like you know fit and into our fitness Nutrition can be super simple. If you want to be the best boxer in the world, nutrition is really complex. Right? Then, then you start thinking, right, nutrient time and protein. But what happens is a lot of times people who just want to get great results and don't want to be like the top 0.01% get caught up in the stuff they're doing. They're like, oh, but he eats his carbs 30 minutes after he trains and eat slow-release carbs. Who cares, right? Who cares, like, what Auntie Joshua is doing or Jessica Ennis is doing or whoever you look up to, right? Um, or somebody for Jordy Shore, <laughs> that's your thing, right? Who cares what they're doing? Like, just focus on the basics, the simple stuff. That gets you the great results. And ensure, like, you can start going off into those tangents. But track your calories, track your macros. Simple like, nutrition gets I like results. when uh, people go like that to you. They're like sitting down, and it's almost like you're in a consultation, and they're giving you a consultation. So my carbs, what do they need to be at? My fats, yeah, I think my salt's too high. And I'm like, right, all I want you to do is track the calories and do this many steps. Right, one week later, they report back. You know, like, have you done your steps? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Uh, I'm like, last week you were asking me about fucking vitamin A intake, and now you can't be asked going for a walk. It's like, it's just again, it's that like try to split hairs not focusing on the things that are genuinely like what you were saying, like it isn't complex, but people make it complex. Like, and it's not yeah. until like, like the, the, the analogy I was using earlier was like, you wouldn't like, you would just expect someone to be good at their job through years of practice. You wouldn't, them, oh, I done this course that made me really good at it. Like this one week course, it doesn't like, you don't learn to drive until you start driving. You don't learn to become a coach until after a few years of coaching. Like it, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just part of the process. and But it's just people need to kind of understand that a bit more. Right, mate, we'll move on. Another to... part. Sorry. I, I was sorry, just going to say quickly. Like, another part of that as well is that oftentimes our role models when it comes to fitness, health, oh. etc., are actually not always, but really bad coaches. It sounds really horrible. But like if you look at some of the best athletes in the world, like they're not the best at explaining why they do the things they do and how important the things they do are, right? So, like, I'm just giving an example, and I could be completely wrong here, right? But, in fact, I've got a good example. So, like, Eddie Hall, right, who was the world's strongest man, 
if you listen to him as a coach talking about training, you're like, I don't know if that's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he'll just literally say things like, you know, sometimes because it's products that he's sponsoring, but he's like Dynamex protein bars. He's like, you eat these, and these are just going to put pounds of muscle on you, you know, or do this exercise, and it's really going to hit your chest. And he's doing like a tricep extension, but the guy's the strongest man in the world. So, like, who the hell am I to criticize what he says? Yeah, yeah, no, right? no. People are just like, people just look at you and go, you ain't, you, you're nobody. Eddie Hall's the world's strongest man. But Eddie Hall's the world's strongest man because he's got the genetics to be the world's strongest man. He's got the work ethic to be the world's strongest man. Um, he's consistent. And <laughs> he's consistent as hell. Like, there, there's lots of factors that go into it beyond just being, like, really knowledgeable about training. And I'm and I'm not saying that to like at all, like attack, like you know, I think he's an amazing athlete. But the best athletes in the world are sometimes not the best coaches. And there's yeah. even some athletes that understand like Usain Bolt, like Usain Bolt like comes in on interviews sometimes, like I love him, like he's just so chill. He comes on, he's like, Yeah, like um my my training partner, he puts more work in than me, he eats better than me, but I run faster than him. <laughs> like, no. Horrible. Like, imagine being that guy that's like busting your balls trying to beat Usain Bolt. And he just like turns up to trade and he's like, Yeah, and just had a bag of Skittles. Um, yeah, let's, let's go and do a, we'll do a, we'll do a, we'll have a wee race. And he just like whips your ass you. every time. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, um, I don't know where, where was I going with that? So, basically, the role models that we look up to sometimes don't often. Not often, but like a lot of time, we don't give the best advice. Right? Oh, I know, definitely. They so, don't have the, the in depth knowledge about the subject. They just give you sort of like the rough ideas. And then, if you buy into those rough ideas too much, and then you don't get results because it's not the actual thing that's getting them results. They just think it is for whatever reason. It's like when someone goes on Love Island, then all of a sudden they become like a fucking fit pro because they've got abs and they're like, giving out information, going, I'm going to do this workout, or they've been on a reality TV show, and you're like, my God, man, like, that's actually wild. That, 100%. Like, how are you... 100%. How is that? I really, I've got a really good example of this, right? So, my dad always tells us, so my mum my, um, my apparently had, like, really, really good, good genetics, right, in terms of, like, sports and stuff. And she used to go to the Galleon. She used to go to a dance class there. And she just was naturally quite lean, quite athletic. And the woman who ran the dance class used to, like, get my mum to do all the demos and, like, use her as the star pupil to be like, if you do this stuff, this is how you could look. <laughs> and that happened, like, that's just an example, right, of, of sort of, like, a, like a, a story close to me, right? But that happens all the time. Like, people who are just, like, good-looking and have good genes and get results really easy people go to them for advice and they're actually probably the worst folk to go for advice. It's like, how did you get abs? And they're like, oh, I do, I do like 50 crunches a day. They're lying through their teeth. In actual fact, they had abs when they were nine years old. I <laughs> it's, know, I know. It's, it's like, like it's... a six pack. So, mate, moving on to part two there, we have kind of been digging into the stuff, talking about the fitness industry, but what is your biggest flaw within the fitness industry? What's your biggest sort of gripe? Um... So, I would say it's probably the fact that the, the industry is built on, it's almost like a merry-go-round in it, the fitness industry. So, what tends to happen is um, 
you have like I'm saying this from a business perspective, it's gonna sound really horrible, but you have like potential customers, right? So you have people who have a problem, right? And you know, most people in the UK and if we go more local Scotland certainly have a problem with their health and their fitness, right? They tend to be overweight, they've got poor self-esteem when it comes to their, their body image and stuff, and they're not very fit. And then marketers then promote solutions. So like, take this shake, do this thing, um, and, and whatever. And these products are always built with a short-term goal in mind. They're never built with a long-term goal because like, I don't know about you, but if you imagine trying to sell to your client as they come in the door, you say, listen, you're looking to lose two and a half stone. But I think that really what you need is you need to exercise for you know, three hours per day for the next year or two to develop the habits so that you're fit and healthy for the rest of your life. How would you like to join my two-year program to become a healthier and more rounded person, right? It doesn't sound sexy <laughs> they, at all, does they it? Would, they would just be like, um, I like this guy here who's saying that I can get abs with the Ab Blaster 2000 in just four hours <laughs> in the next month. Do you know what I mean? Or like, I like this magazine that's telling me how to like tone my arms with one simple tip. So that's what you're up against as, as, as a an ethical fitness profession, right? The medical round is, you know, people have a problem, markers then, um, or people will create products, short-term products to help fix that problem. And then they just sell it. And it just gets this merry-go-round. So people come onto the merry-go-round on the product, get spat out the other end. Sometimes they get results, sometimes they don't. And then they just keep looking, as I said before, for this magic solution, the secret sauce. Right? They just keep looking for it. And I think that's, in essence, the biggest problem with the industry. is It's built on people seeking instant gratification. But we could talk about that's a wider societal issue at the moment. Like People are just looking for quick fixes. Yeah. Yeah. My, they think my biggest... they're just like... Sorry, mate. My, my biggest flaw with it is it, it does tie in with what you what you said there. It's it's the unregulation. It's the it's what you were saying. It's people trying to like target people's. They know that people that people have this mindset of they want a, a quick fix. So they're like, Do you know what? Let's just target that. It's the fact that a PT course is six weeks and you can rock up to it and you don't have to do any studying. It's the fact that yeah. people get into it for the wrong reasons. It's the fact that there's so much emphasis based on how you look and it's not how you feel. It's not about how long you live your life. It's not about how well you can perform. It's all about how you can look. It's all about weight loss. It's all about, it's all about the wrong things. And I think that people then get into it with this lack of training. And as a result of that, they just play on the things that are there. Like we are saying this merry-go-round and it just becomes a vicious cycle. And then you've got people like me and you that are like, evidence-based practitioners that are trying to say it but people don't like it people go oh you're just trying to like belittle that you're trying you're like no i'm not i'm just telling you why this is this is x y and z they're going to try and tell you that fucking x y and z is a different but it's not it's like the principles are still the same but people will always dress them up differently to suit them financially or because they don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about due to the unregulation that's genuinely it man isn't it <laughs> Yeah, and that's, in fact, you touched on it, the unregulation of the fitness industry is definitely one of my biggest pet peeves because, um, and yet again, it, it just comes down to business. It comes down to making money. Like the fitness industry is, is set up on really faulty foundations. And so if you think about the elements of it, you have the, the 
customers themselves who are always looking for new fitness solutions. Um, then you have the fitness educators who are looking for people who want to become fitness professionals. And then you have the gyms who are looking for fitness professionals to clean the floors, clean the equipment and do the service hours for them and get and pay them nothing, right? So what essentially happens is like someone's like, oh, I kind of like sport and fitness. I think I'm going to go and try and become a personal trainer. It looks like a good, a good avenue. Fitness professional educators like, hey, you can become a PT in six weeks, which is just ridiculous, right? Um, that person then goes to the educator. The educator receives money, so they're happy. They're making money. The educator then points them in the direction of, hey, fitness professional, now you've got your qualification. Go and work for this gym and go clean the equipment and do stuff for them for 10 hours. Um, so the fitness professional then goes there. The gym is then winning and making money off the sweat of that individual. And the customers you know, then meet that fitness professional and the fitness professional then makes money off of them. But the problem is that the whole system like is built, or a, a huge part of it is built on misinformation and ill-informed people. So your fitness professionals, in my, in my opinion, are just not educated enough to be teaching the populace that they're teaching. Yeah, um, And then that it leads to like a horrible relationship for everyone because the customers, like a lot of the customers end up unhappy because you know, if you get a bad experience with a trainer, you start to think, you know, all oh, these trainers are just cowboys, yeah, um, and they're pointless, and you don't get results with them. Um, and then it kind of, it could, you know, screws the relationship up with the gym because the fitness professional thinks that the gyms are, you know, kind of taking the pass out of them because they're get they're not getting paid through the hours. And then, you know, the fitness professional gets annoyed. Also, the education system who often will say. Hey, do you want to earn thirty thousand doing your passion every year? <laughs> like you see these ads all the time, and the only people that are really profiting are the fitness educators and the gyms, um, and the fitness professionals and the people who the, the potential customers are getting burned quite a lot. And I think that's something that really needs to be addressed and solved. I don't know how, because the people, system still works for for the companies. Making that, too much money, mate. Yeah, I think as long as the educators continue to be able to churn people out and the gyms are able to continue to churn those people around and, and make money off their sweat, then that system's going to continue. I think just informing the customer, you know, the customer get, becoming more informed, and that is happening. Like customers are tend to, to do their, their digging and their research. Um, and then for potential fitness professionals, like really, really think about... Um, why you're getting into the industry yeah like and and think about like really deeply like how much you want to commit to it you know because like any and any, any business that you run yourself it runs on your passion yeah you have to be extremely passionate and you have to really good work ethic i think just any business owner like that's just the truth and like i um, think it's, if you I, don't have if you don't have those things then you're going to struggle i think it's crazy that like people get into it and it's like, this is what's wrong with it as well. And, and they expect to just get busy. Like no one, me, imagine like just opening a shop and just expecting it to get busy without looking at the location, what you're selling, what's coming in, what's going out. Like I'm, that, and that is like what people are getting into it. And it's like, and then obviously if you're not driving a good business, that's going to reflect in how you feel about it as well. So you might not put a lot of effort into it. There's so many, there's so many things wrong with it, and I, I just think it's it, it does need to be regulated better. But another thing that bothers me as well is there's so many people with fitness in their name, and they're not actually into fitness. 
they're genuinely like they're, they're not into fitness like you would say to that same i'm not saying everyone needs to run i'm not saying everyone needs to cycle i'm not saying everyone needs to swim but you need to have an element of experience within that because the minute someone walks into a gym and goes right i want to get strong right i specialize in weights oh that person at one point is probably going to want to run a 10k or go to park run they'll probably want to go and try and do it something else that challenges them and i think as well a lot of people getting into personal training coaching they forget this element it's not just a, a one-way street there's so many parts to it and i think that's another issue as well it's like fair enough if you are literally you specialize in body transformation you are a bodybuilding coach fair enough however if you're like training the average joke walks in the gym man you need to open up your diversity to what you can actually do because you won't hold on to clients man it's just just one of the things, but again, kind of strain away there. Um, anything else you want to add on to that, Andy? No, I think that, that's probably a good overview of the, of the industry and, and some of the some of the flaws. There's, there's a lot of flaws, but there's a lot of good points as well, right? That's no, there is. Like that. yeah. There's a lot of good points. There's we get to to work in an industry that is driven by transforming people and helping people out, which is that's amazing, right? Yeah, and you get to like like exactly what you said you see someone reach their maximum potential and you see that growth and it doesn't even change them in the gym like, look what it's done for me and you it's we've we've made careers out of it and like that i think sometimes that's what people they don't look at the bigger picture and they get so hung, hung up on just like i need to lose two stone i need to do this so you don't need to do anything you just need to focus on trying to be the best version of yourself that's all you need to do you need to focus on making a step each day that focuses you on getting to where you inevitably want to be. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean, hundred percent. Like most most of the happiest clients I have are the ones that fall in love with the process. That's you know, it. People who are who who are like been training now for a year, two years, and like this is the best thing that I can hear as a coach is when someone says like something like you know because of you, like I love the exercise and it's now part of my life. Like that, that is hands down the best compliment yeah. that I get paid is when people are like, like when I see people, like the passion that I have for training, like them pushing that back at me, that's amazing. Like when someone's like, oh, you know, like when someone does their first like 100 kilo squat or someone runs a 10K and they report back to you, they're like, oh my God, I did a 10K at this time or finally squat 100 kilos. Or that is like the best feeling in the world as a coach. Because in essence, and I think every coach, most coaches are like this, the reason you get into coaching is because you loved improving yourself and you love that feeling. And then you get to sort of piggyback on your clients a little bit and receive some of that, you know? That's kind of what you get as a coach, no, right? Definitely. When they get success, like... they win, you feel that with them. But I mean, there's also the downside sides to that. When they fail and they're struggling, you feel that as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's because uh, you, like what you said, you've been through all these points, but however, that's a reflection of a good coach is being able to say, don't worry, that's fine. Just do this. Like, this is going to come back. You're not going to lose strength through fucking this injury you've got. You're going to build back up. It's all part of the journey, and it's just something that you need to do. I'm not saying you all need to get injured, but I've been injured plenty of times. I've like had ups and downs, but it's, it's just a continuum. Um, so moving on to the next one, why do you think so many people struggle with adherence to exercise? Because um, they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. No, big time, I think... I think um, it boils down to two things. So one, they pick stuff they hate. 
and try and force it on themselves because, and I've talked about this, so we'll go back to this again, because they think it's the optimal thing to do. Like, oh yeah, I, I started doing loads of cardio because I want to lose weight and I heard that's the best thing. And my first question is, how do you feel about cardio? What kind of cardio are you doing? Oh, well, I go in the gym and I get on the treadmill and I do 30 minutes of walking. And I'm like, and how do you feel when you're doing that 30 minutes of walking? Um, what do you mean? How do you feel? Oh, I'm puffed out. No, no, no. How do you feel when you're doing 30 minutes of walking? I hate it. Right. Okay, so why on earth are you doing 30 minutes on a treadmill? Like, if you actually hate it, that's a really, really bad, <laughs> bad way to go about your fat loss. Like, can we try something else? Like, have you ever thought about, like, maybe lift the weight or go for a walk with the kids? Uh, go for a cycle. You know, huh. Uh, no. Well, why don't we try that? You ever went to class? You ever tried yoga? Like, it's just start opening the options up to them. Yeah. And they're like, but, but, but I heard that, like, walking the treadmill was, listen, walking the treadmill, like, if you, you hate it, like, there's no point in using it as a tool, in my opinion, because, like, ultimately, it's not going to stick around. And that's the problem. People try and force stuff they hate. Like, loads of people, January is the prime example. Everyone gets a, gets a gym membership, free gym membership, don't pay to February. Awesome, get the gym membership. They're in there six days a week doing every single class, thrashing the life out of themselves. And if you ever said at any point, like, how much do you enjoy this? Or, like, are you getting into this? Like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, like, no, seriously. Like, can you see yourself doing this, like, in three months? No. <laughs> well, why are you doing that? Can you like, see yourself doing this the rest of your life? And they're like, no, nah. yeah. like, well, that's just a terrible idea. It's exactly what I draw with my clients. Like, people come to me and they're like, um, so, because like, we've got like a class schedule for our virtual stuff at the moment, just like yourself. And people say, like, what, what classes do you advise for me? And I'm like, I advise that you treat it like a buffet. Go about, taste all the different classes, try them out, and then pick the ones that you, you enjoyed or the ones that you thought sucked the least. Why? Because those are the ones that you'll be doing in three weeks' time. You know, those are the ones you're going to stick to. Um, of course, like, as an athlete or someone who wants to be athletic and improves, you, you have to do some of the stuff that you hate, right? But for Joe Average or Joe Average, they don't. They can just do what they enjoy yeah. and get great results and stick to it. I think, like, in regards to exercise adherence, that's absolutely spot on. But I'm very big on as well. Like, I tell people to... It's important to do things that you don't enjoy doing as well, as in like, like having discipline. Not like, not like making your full exercise regime, but I mean like little things, like literally, like making sure that you do exercise. Like you love the feeling afterwards, you love what you get from it. But like having a baseline in place, I always tell everyone. I talk about non-negotiables and, and baselines, and your baseline yeah. might be just two sessions a week because at the end of the day, I get people coming in and they're like. It, recently I've had since I've been doing online stuff right Christian I've done all nine sessions I've done 100,000 steps this week I've tracked every bit of nutrition I'm like whoa 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 do you do that usually and they're like no and I'm like well this isn't going to last very long and I'm not trying to get on the grade but it's like I'd, I'd, I'd edit what I said there and say that find what you enjoy and if you can't find that find what you hate the least and then demand it of yourself right so what I mean by that is like if it's for most people, if it's picking, sitting, watching their Netflix series that really like with a bit of chocolate and turning up to my virtual boxing class, they're probably gonna pick Netflix and <laughs> eat, right? Um, if they were if they're pushed, like what one would you prefer to do? So there obviously there's there's gotta be a level of applying willpower and applying discipline. 
But like, what I mean is like, if boxing and yoga is the option, and you hate yoga, but boxing's all right, probably go to the boxing, right? So of course there's, there's a limit to it. You can't be like, if you don't love it, don't do it. Because then <laughs> like, most people will be like, and I think I'm not going like... to do anything because I don't like anything. My, like my wife, Leanne, Leanne hates exercise. Hates it. Any form, cannot be bothered with it. I tried everything with her. Take her to the gym. Tried to go out and run with her. Just threw everything at her. Like, try this, try this. And then we discovered, because I started in this baby boot camp, right? People come in the push chairs. A friend came with her, and she was like, oh, I really enjoyed that. And I was like, what did you enjoy about it? She's like, oh, it's just good, like, getting to work out with uh, a friend. I forgot her name, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> she listens to really sorry, because my mind like there. But she goes to her friend, right? And then it just, it's much better. Like, she enjoys it because she gets a wee chin wag with all the different mums. And she also just enjoys the feeling of, like, the group, right? Of like the, the sort of social connection of everyone working together for a common purpose of getting fit. She likes that community feel. So, yeah, like find find exercise that you enjoy the most or hate the least yeah. in that order. Right? Try and work that out. That's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Again, they are like I don't want people like you. You'll get this as well. You don't want people to take what you say literally and people do take things out of context as well like in the past i've had people where i went right steps are important however your need is genuinely how much you're you're genuinely moving throughout the day and then i've had someone turn around and say to me oh so you but you told me steps aren't important i'm like no i'm like you need to understand that if you when it comes to fat loss if someone's opting to be more active like if that means standing up when they're at work if that means parking further away but what I'm getting at is steps is obviously a reflection reflection of someone's activity. However, like if you've been stood in the one place painting a fence for 20 minutes, you've been more active than sat in your ass. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. folk don't get like they, they get so hung up in the data that they're like, yeah, but my Fitbit says oh, I've only done nine thousand steps today. I'm like, nine thousand steps is better than what you were doing last year when you were averaging one thousand steps a day and watching Netflix for a living. Do you know what I mean? Like that is <laughs> but people get so hung up in the data. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, and I feel like, and it's, and it's like, I've like, I've made, like, I post content every single day. I've done it for nearly two years and I've learned so much because you need to watch what you're saying because people just, they hear one thing and it's well, like. There's, there's like a, a, a thing on that and they're like, you know, how people read information is actually more important than the information. Like an example of this is like, you could. Like give clients like a sentence, like a piece of information, and everyone will take something different. So if you say to people, right, it's really important that you track your calories, then like one person could like be like, right, I'm going to get my fitness pal, I'm going to track my calories, and they're going to track every single calorie they eat. And then someone else, because of the context of their life and what they've heard, they don't think it's important to track fruit and vegetables because fruit and vegetables, they're just like, oh, fruit and vegetables are good. Like they're really good for you. So... I, it's not, you know what I mean? Like they're good for you. So why would I track them? It's not important. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. Or somebody else is like not tracking their beverages. Like why would I track alcohol? Alcohol is not food. So like the nuances of like language and coaching become really important. Like you've done it before where you literally, you get a client in with you and you have to have that uncomfortable sort of deep conversation where you start poking and prying at them to find out what's going on. So you're like, right, so you've been doing X, Y, Z. 
did you do X with X? And did you, right, did you do this? And then eventually, like, you're, it's like being an inspector, eventually you get, you go, aha, that's it. That's it. Oh, you've not been tracking your fruit. I go, I used to go to Slumworld and fruit's free. Ah, no. I know. <laughs> three weeks and you've been eating a lot of fruit. And we don't know why you've lost weight. <laughs> Just yeah. like a true example. So, yeah, language and like the stuff you put out there, you have to deal with the fact that everyone's going to read into it slightly different and, and get something yeah, different. Like, Same with this podcast. Like, people are going to listen to this and go away with like their own idea of what we've been saying. Yeah. And probably misquote it. Like, how know, many times like, have you misquoted stuff that you've learned? Yeah. You know, we all do. <laughs> Andrew and Christian says, I can eat what I like. And exercise isn't important because if I don't like it, I don't need to do it. <laughs> yep. I know. Um, it is, it's, it's such a, the psychological, I remember like Ian in our work, uh, he's the assistant manager of the gym. He said, uh, we should, before you become a PT, you should go and do like a, like a, a bit of uh, coursework in psychology because like, that's the, you end up becoming a bit of a detective and a bit of a, you know what people are going to do before they've done it through experience and you, you know where someone's making a mistake like what you were saying there like someone tells you on a consultation that they were stomach world so you know immediately that they've got a pretense to think that certain foods have value they think that fat makes you fat not everyone but i mean like you are aware or like when i get someone that's maybe like they, they, they tell me that they like xbox i know that they're going to be maybe like say it's a young guy i know they're going to be quite scatty because of that there's like certain things that like just because you know what someone's done it, like they they then have certain traits, and uh, it's, it's it's pretty crazy. But I do I do enjoy it. It's quite a challenge. Uh, but yeah, so moving on to the next point, why do you think so many people struggle with fat loss? They <laughs> they struggle with the the suffering. That's what I say in that one. Uh, I always say this to my clients um, when I start talking about fat loss, and it usually gets a chuckle, right? Fat loss, the, the most unsexy way of framing fat loss is controlled starvation. That is what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like you are, you're basically starving your body of energy that at once so that it starts to eat itself, so it starts to eat the fat off you. And that is an uncomfortable process, and that's what a lot of people don't get, and they don't like fully understand and learn to sit with that. Because the industry, yet again, one of the flaws, kind of feeds them this bullshit narrative. Like, if you like, where they're like, you know, you shouldn't feel hungry when you're trying to lose weight. I don't understand where the hell that came from, right? I understand that, like, you know, I've dieted loads in my life, lost fat loads. And, yeah, sure, like, you get periods where you go through a wee spell where you're not that hungry when you're losing weight. But you also go through periods where you're going to want to eat your fingers, right? And there's nothing you can do about that. You just have to sit in that feeling um, and it's like the unsexy truth you know and, and when you tell people that it's like some some people it's an epiphany like they're like all right so it's it's actually all right but like i feel hungry and you're like yeah like it's cool like that means that your your body is saying hey i've not got enough energy i'm having to eat my fat i'm not happy about it um i'd like you to eat some more and you are then dominating that and saying no you're not getting it anymore you're going to burn the fat off and that's going to be helpful for my health and my self-esteem, etc. You know, you, one of the things with it as well, I think is just people, again, they've put it into this, like what I the thing that I always say is nobody got fat overnight. So you're not going to get lean overnight either. Like it's just a yeah. process that works both ways. 
But then I think the other trouble with it is there's like the thing that I always say as well is people need to stop thinking that fat loss is a forever thing. People should be aspiring to be at maintenance. Obviously, if someone has more fat to lose than someone else, it just means they're going to have to like be in a deficit for longer. That is it. And then people just get like everyone knows someone that's been on a diet their entire life. Like they're like, but and it's like they're always in and out of it. They lose the same stone that they lose every year. And you're like, right, maybe it's time to make a change. What have you been doing? Well, I've been going to Slimming World every year. And I'm not slating Slimming World. What I'm saying is it's like, right, you've been doing that for 20 years and it's not working. Change it. You wouldn't like, like see if your car kept breaking and you kept taking it to the same mechanic and the same issue kept happening, you would go to a fucking different mechanic. Like you wouldn't go to the same mechanic. Be like, right. But maybe the mechanic you were going to is just a pure cowboy. And that's what I feel like all these sort of, like the way that me and Andy instruct it is genuinely evidence-based and it's like, this is the way it is. But because it doesn't necessarily sound, oh, you need to track your calories. It might take you a month to actually learn how to properly do that. But at the same time, you understand it. And folk are like, what? And they're like, oh, this is quite hard. I'm like, it's not easy. Like it's not like, initially it's not easy. But anything that comes with a bit of work isn't going, it's, it's not going to be easy. Something that, that, once you, when you want to be somewhere, nothing like it just it doesn't come as easy as people think it is, and I think that's the issue. People are expecting easy, quick results. And the other, the other flaw in that as well is how people gamify weight loss. Like, how many clients come to you and get really pissed off that they've only lost a pound and a half, and how much does that piss you off as a coach? Like, so on it. it Boils my blood. Like, obviously, I don't show that to my client. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, can you like, <laughs> explain to them? But inside, I'm like, not again. Like, why is someone raging? Because the fitness industry and other people feed them, yeah, again, bullshit narrative. So, like, you know, I hate you. I hate it. Sally, I'm really sorry if Sally's listening because I use Sally a lot. Sally comes in and she steps on the scale because we're doing our, like, revision to see, like, where she's at. And she's, like, comes off the scale on a face strip and I'm like, what's up, what's up? And she's like, I've only lost a pound and a half. And I'm like, only a pound and a half? I'm like, that's amazing. Like you weigh, what, you started at 11 stone, you know, like 10, you know what I mean? Like you've lost 1% of your weight this week. That is fucking awesome. You should be jumping through the ceiling. You've managed to make a positive change. You've been in a calorie deficit of like 700 calories every day on average. That is awesome. But she's thinking about that time she did no carbs for four days and lost four pounds. She's thinking about a friend who goes to Weight Watchers and, you know, lost five pounds, but she weighs 16 stone. Like, they start thinking of comparing themselves and gamifying the weight loss and be like, why the ass suck? And you're like, you don't suck. You're just looking at suck. You're doing a sucky comparison. That's the problem. Like, if you lost 1.5 pounds, for 10 weeks, that's a stone. And it'd be a real stone, and you'd be in a great position to keep it off because you lost it slow. People don't want that. People want, like, they want the kind of, oh, I lost five pounds, and the next week lost three pounds, and then three pounds. They want these huge weight losses because they want to get to where they want to get to instantly. It's just not the reality of it. And uh, what I love is, like, when I don't love it, it's like I secretly die inside. Someone say, let's say they lose two inches off the hips and the waist in one week. You're like, that is amazing. Then they step on the scales and the scales haven't changed. Yeah. And, and instantly their mood just drops. Their mood drops. They're like, oh, 
you're like, they're like, how does that make sense? I'm like, you do realize there are so many things that can fluctuate your weight short term. You might have, yeah. you might have not been to the toilet. Like, glycogen <laughs> levels, like, they're all you like, bloat it. you might be bagged up. <laughs> you might be bagged up. I know. And it's like, there's so many, there's like so many things and you're like, fuck me, man. Like you have like consistently tracked, you have trained three times, progressed your training within the past four weeks. You have done everything to a T. You are a product of consistency. You are losing yeah. body fat. You're getting smaller. But because that hasn't budged, you are basing everything on it. And you're like, my God, like you're feeling the best you've ever felt. There's just everything goes out the window. Oh. And they also, they tie that in just to like tie this together. They tie this in with their suffering. Like sometimes people will be like, I've only lost a pound and a half. And then you get them around, you explain this all and they go, but I worked so hard. Like I, I trained four times this week. I tracked all my calories. I can't believe it's only a pound and a half. And I'm like, the process that you've done is giving you the like that's a good result. And that's the level of the process you have to put in to get that result. Like it's almost like people a lot of times the enlightenment is that people go through is that this stuff is hard and is going to take time. That is, and that is pretty much the enlightenment that most people get when they come to me. Like they, they realize that it's like, I'm not four weeks away from it. I'm not eight weeks, I'm not 12 weeks. I'm like three, six, nine, 12 months away from the result that I really, really want deeply to achieve, you know? And that's okay. And that's, that's what they, if I, that's what I try and say, that is okay. Like, don't panic about it. Three months is nothing. Six months is nothing you know <laughs> like it's not a long time um but yeah just like people need to understand it you're not going to get huge massive weight loss when it comes to fat loss like big weight drops most of the time and you are going to have to suffer a little bit <laughs> like, it's not going to be easy like it's the opposite like gaining weight is really enjoyable really pleasurable nobody like gets upset when they're gaining weight right like, during the process like, people people are like oh my god I cannot, I think you're enjoying something, they're like, oh my God, uh, you know this, don't give me Maltesers, they taste so bad, like I don't <laughs> want to sit on this couch and do nothing. Like, people get upset when you're like, you need to move more and eat a little bit less. Like, the, you have to cut out those Maltesers, and they're like, ah! Or you have to like, you know, reduce the size of your breakfast or your lunch. That's, that is not pleasurable, right? It's a little bit of suffering, but it's a little bit of suffering that will lead to a massive amount of like a growing amount of pleasure over time, right? When you yeah. start to see the results, when you start to feel better, when you start to become in charge of your body. That, like what, what, like can I tie in with the sort of fat loss? Like if anyone does, the, the principle behind fat loss is creating an energy deficit. You need to be expending more calories you consume in a nutshell. Me and Andy have obviously been talking about that there. For anyone that doesn't know that, when you are doing this, people get so hung up in the numbers. Like, like if you genuinely stay very active as in you hit a high amount of steps, you exercise regularly because you enjoy it, you're going to give yourself more flexibility with your nutrition as well. It's And I think this is what I was saying. It's like splitting hairs. People get so caught up in like, oh my God, my calories went up by 200 today. And I'm like, yeah, but you've been really active all week. You've done this. And it's like, they get so caught up in one area. And they're like, how many calories did I burn when I was at a walk there? I'm like, no, well, it's a collective. It's a... You, it's, and it's like but again what this comes with is practice and these tests these questions tend to come before the people have even done it it's like what you were saying earlier about the bicep curl like what's the best bicep curl to build this you're like 
go and just do movements that, that stimulate it. Don't stop spending so much time reading and not taking action. And I think this is another big problem with fat loss as well, is people aren't taking action. They are generally getting so hung up. And I always say like, they get stuck in chapter one and they're trying to ask questions from chapter 20. And you're like, mate, like you need to start turning the pages, man. Like You need to start actually putting a bit of work in, making some mistakes and actually doing it because otherwise you're just going to be stuck on fucking page one. That's it. Like it's, that's what too yep. many people are stuck in page one. Fat loss in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> they They're like, oh, I ate a galaxy today, and you're like, and, and I'm literally like, cool, all right. But but it's got sugar in it. Don't care. Like, did you put it in your MyFitness Pal? Is it, is it tracked? Do you know the calories you have it? Oh yeah, I've done that. Next, next, let's move on. Like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> they just get oh so God. bogged down. I was so, like, as you say, chapter 20, they start worrying too much about like the advanced 0.1% ship because that's the stuff that's like innovative and creative and sexy and like easier to like, I don't know, like sell and jazz hands and tart up. You know, it's easy to like be like, woo, one simple food that's going to like jazz up your life and you're going to feel so much better and have more energy than it is to say, hey, look after yourself every day and you have more energy and feel better. <laughs> I know, I know. I you're, just, you're just one raspberry keto, ketone away <laughs> from your dream life. <laughs> what is it? So last question, then we'll round it off, mate, because um, we've, we've kind of yeah, over what we've planned. It's actually, <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed it, man. It's been really good. Um, if you could change one thing in the UK and fitness industry, what would it be? In a nutshell, just one thing. So I thought about this and then... I got all sentimental and, uh, you know, I'm going to quote, I believe the children are our future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, teach them well and let them lead the way. I would actually just make it mandatory that we have some sort of fitness and nutrition education from the fitness industry within the education system. That's what I would do. I think it's like nuts in this day and age that, that I don't, you know, Evie's only nine months. Maybe somebody can correct me and tell me if some teacher's going to come and go, oh, actually, this is in the curriculum now, but, like, I don't know if there's, there's much in terms of, like, self-care. Like, teaching people about calories, teaching people about macros, teaching people, you know, about doing two, three hours of exercise a week and looking after their body. Like, that, I think that should be part of the education system at school. Like, I think that should be part of the curriculum. Like, really, how important is algebra when you're 60 and you have arthritis in your knees and you're three stone overweight. Yeah? Yeah, and all heart like, disease. All that time invested in like fucking learning algebra when like maybe they could have just took a couple hours a week and just dedicated to, hey, look after your body. And this would benefit everyone. Well, it would actually not benefit some people, uh, but it would benefit the system, right? Because people would be less likely to be obese less likely to have low self-esteem, um, more likely to, to feel better, to have better health. You know, you can talk about all the things that you could probably get from just planting some of these seeds. And that's why, like, I have to, have to mention, I take my hats off, Joe Wicks, right? It's just something to touch on. When I first heard Joe Wicks, I think I did what every fitness person did, and was like, that guy's a dick, right? Because secretly, deep down, you're just, like, super jealous, good-looking guy, giving out like all this information, super successful. And in reality, the guy is an absolute gem. You know what I mean? Like he is like, yes, some of the information he gives, I totally disagree with, right? Totally disagree with like 
some of the stuff that he, he gives out. But gets results for the masses, and he's went and done this thing in the morning where he's doing the is it PE for kids, right? What a great idea, right? Get get them when they're young <laughs> and impressionable, and when this information can actually help them the most to develop into more well well rounded, healthier, fitter adults. Um, and I think that's what we need to do as an industry. We need to break into. Um, I was going to say breaking the kids, but that's actually <laughs> wrong. <laughs> we, need, we need to be, we need to break into educating the children, right? Because they are the future. And, and if you get those good habits set then, then those um, good habits can, they can carry on for the rest of their life. And then maybe they don't really need us coaches as much. Maybe that's why it would, it would not benefit uh, uh, everything totally. Now, there's, there's always going to be reasons to have coaches. But, um, I think that would be one of the best things that could, that could I possibly happen. I to- totally agree with you, mate. I've said that before. It's like you could solve so, but I, I suppose you could say that with so many things. Like, I suppose you could say that with like racism. You could say it with like war. You could say it with like politics. Like, I suppose it's, but I, I definitely think it's something that if you said that to a chick, like what you just said there, you could eliminate a lot of potential issues just by simply telling someone the value of a calorie. Like, yeah. You could literally go and write, it's a unit of energy. And folk are like, what? Because it's like, it, I didn't know this. Like, when I was like, literally into my sort of late teens, I didn't know this. I thought like, I didn't get like, what a calorie was. Like, what? Same, like, up, up until the age of 17, I was just convinced that I had the fastest metabolism in the world. Aye. I know. Like, like, I just I just thought like, like I was like, I'm just naturally lean. Like, I, I, I can't gain weight. Like, I just have a really fast metabolism. And, like, I just I just thought that basically when I ate food, my body worked different to everyone else. Like, right. my body was just, like, just burned through it and just, get out of this. We don't need this food. You know? My thoroughbreds. But, like, and, see, like, that simple piece of advice, that could change someone's uh, life. Like, and it does. Yeah. Um, anyway, guys, thank you very much. If you're still listening in right now, it's been an absolute... <laughs> Pleasure, Andrew. Thanks very much having you on, mate. Have you got anything you would like to add to the audience before you go? No, not not really. Like if you're if you live in South Lanarkshire near Straven and you fancy coming to my boot camp, <laughs> you fancy coming to my boot camp, give me a shout. If you fancy maybe following me on Facebook or Instagram, where I post semi regularly um, some knowledge bombs about Christian, give me a follow, give me a like. Andrew Banks personal training Andrew Banks personal training uh, on Facebook you can follow him on there also guys just before I go remember if you have tuned in screenshot the podcast tag me in it and I can share that in my stories and see that you've read it as well also I'm offering a free trial from a virtual coaching which starts every single Monday so if you are interested in working with me um, do not hesitate to drop me a DM. I'm going to be looking at introducing some outdoor sessions and I'm currently doing one-to-one as well. But thank you very much, ladies and gents, and I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you very much for listening.